0: God, we pray and continue to ask you, Holy Spirit, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit to do amazing things in our lives as we go to you and worship you in song and hear the word preached, as we fellowship with each other and as we love one another and encourage one another. So, God, we don't want this to just be another ordinary day. We want this to be an extraordinary day. We want more than anything, Lord, for you to be truly glorified and truly honored. So keep us humble as a people. Keep us humble as a church. Keep us dependent, seeking your face, seeking first the kingdom of God and all of your righteousness. So keep moving, Holy Spirit, and do some amazing things. Reconcile relationships and heal bodies and help minds that are full of anxiety and torment to be replaced with peace that passes understanding. May hearts that are heavy instead be full of joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. Help us, Lord, to just lay aside all of these things that are entangling us and help us run the race that is set before us. You've gathered us today here, all of us, for purposes and for reasons that are supernatural, that are sovereign, that are providential. And so, Lord, doing amazing things in all of our lives as we worship you. Do you agree with that? Say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Let's take our Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew 15. I want to continue our series, 10 Man Christianity. 10 Man Christianity. Matthew chapter 15. I want to look at verses 1 down to verse 9. Anybody like baseball here? Are you a baseball fan? Raise your hand. Baseball fan, give me a hoot, holler. Really? <laughs> what do you guys like to do? Play like chess or something? Come on. What do they do in Pennsylvania? Rock climbing. I was at the High Point, um, what is your school called? High Point Baptist Academy? Is that what it is? I was there uh, not this past Tuesday, but the Tuesday before. They were playing in a very important game, and we were invited to go out. They were playing at the first Energy Stadium, and that's just a cool place, and so I don't know if you've been inside of there, and so we're watching all these high schoolers play baseball, and uh, there was this one particular player that uh, I had my eye on, I think if I wasn't in ministry, I'd love to be like a scout. That would be so cool to try to find like professional baseball players. And so the catcher uh, caught my eye uh, just because of just the way he carried himself, super confident, um, you know, fairly big guy. He gets up to the plate. I think it might have been the second inning. And he hits the ball deep in the left field, and it goes over the fence. I mean, this is a high schooler in a kind of a, you know, the big time, right? And he's rounding the, the, the bases. He comes home, touches home plate. It was just so thrilling. So thrilling. What do you think the people in the stands did? All of us, what did we do? Yes, we got to our feet, right? We were just like, yes, yes, yes. Two innings later, he gets up to the plate. He does the same thing. He hits the ball over the fence in left field. Now we're like, yeah, yeah. So when I'm over here worshiping, I'm going like, yes, God, yes, God. This, this kid, awesome player. And we can jump to our feet to say, well done. We ought to be able to get to our feet and go, yes, God, well done, amen? Well done, God, and just like, yes. But why are we so like? We're going to talk about some things this morning. I'm glad that you're here. Tin Man Christianity, having a heart for God. In the 1939 movie classic, the Tin Man said, if I only had a heart, I'd be tender. I'd be gentle and awful, but, remember, sentimental. His journey was to get a heart, and he had been stuck in one place. If you remember the movie, he couldn't move. He was immovable. And so, what he needed was one of these an oil can. And if you remember the movie, I think it was Dorothy and some of the others were just like, I need an oil can. So, he's getting it in the neck, and he's getting it in the elbows, and he's getting it in the knees, and he's getting it in the back. I mean, it's everywhere. He's getting the oil that he needs to be able to move forward so that he can get a heart. Having a religious heart. Can have the same effects. We don't have a heart for God, and as a result of that, we can become immovable. In other words, maybe you found yourself in this kind of a relationship with God, or maybe in this culture. Maybe you found yourself in this kind of Christianity where you needed the oil of the Spirit of God. You needed God to show up and to do some things in the heart, you know, so that you can move again, and you weren't moving, and you were immobile, and you were stuck spiritually, Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? You can be in a a church culture. You can be in a a form of religion and be immovable like the tin man. We need to know what it means to have a heart for God. Matthew chapter 15, 1 to 9. I'm so thankful to the Spirit of God because honestly, there are some of you, some of you getting the oil of the Spirit of God inside of your soul like never before. And you're getting worship, high-impact worship. And when we're moving through those songs, something is happening inside of you. When you hear the preaching of the word of God, you just know that God is doing fresh and new work. That's the oil of the spirit of God. Some of you are making confession of some things that you're doing. You're repenting of some sin. And you know that you're moving once again. You're not stuck like you used to be. And I'm excited about that. I don't know about you, but I hate to be stuck, right? Anywhere. You need to oil the Spirit of God. God is moving. He is working. Obviously, I'm in a suit this morning, right? Let me ask you a question, right? You'll see this only two times a year, <laughs> maybe three weddings, funerals, and potentially Easter. I'm wearing a suit. Does it mean I have a heart for God? Everybody, all together? What's it say? No. But I know it would make a difference, right? If I put a heart. It makes all the difference, right? How many people say yes, no, no, yes? Let me just give you some of the culture and the context before we get into the text. I want to read verses 1 to 9, and I'm going to set this up. Matthew chapter 15, verse 1. And the Pharisees and the scribes, And they came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. And he answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, verse 5, But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, What you would have gained from me is given to God. He need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made, what's the next for? Void, the word of God. Jesus says in verse 7, You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they do worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. I'm going to try to get, describe some things. I'm going to do go it through a laundry list of, environments, maybe some beliefs, maybe some church policies and cultures or practices that you might be familiar with. And my goal is not to make you twitch like a trout out of water. And so as I go through this list, I want you to listen closely and carefully. And maybe you can relate to some of this because what I'm talking about here is the religious culture. What I'm talking about here is a culture of religion and not spirituality or potential spirituality. Are you ready? Everybody with me? Here we go. Haircuts for guys where the hair can't touch the ears. Anybody twitching yet? We're just getting started, here we go, hold on. Uh, Culottes, culottes, did not know what that was. I thought it was a bad vegetable that I had to eat. So kind of like a hybrid pant thing. Carrying large Bibles and saying amen a lot. My wife left me. Amen. 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 Yeah, my car broke down. Amen. Amen. I'm going bankrupt. Amen. Amen. What? Really? Has anybody ever seen that before? experienced that? I truly have. Wearing dress clothes, hymns that are holier than other songs. Thinking that judging other people is a spiritual gift. Drums are of the devil. Man, if we had drums up here, I would be casting demons out of them. I'm telling you right now, if they were sitting right there. I'm going to be a little bit sarcastic through this. I just want you to know that. Because legalism just drives me nuts. It drives Jesus nuts. You'll see why. Certain verses that become battle cries, like, come out from among them and be ye separate. And you have to say ye, right? Places of intense separation, extreme separation, isolationists. And they really like this word fundamentalism. And I am all for the fundamentals. I truly am. They're usually typically externally focused, they're performance driven. Hey, you know what? They have a two person trinity. Whatever happened to that. Father, son, and the Holy Spirit just wasn't invited to the party, I guess. I don't know. Doesn't even make sense. Two person trinity. Controlling leaders, always confrontive. A war against the world. A, a war against the world, and, and we're fighting the world. No, we're loving the world in the right way, right? We're not separating from the world. Jesus went into the world. Jesus was there. He's next to non-Christians and, and heathens and pagans and liars and prostitutes. And we're saying we're going to war against the world and separate ourselves from them? Is that ridiculous or what? There's no way Jesus wouldn't do that. These cultures that I'm talking about, these religious cultures are walking in fear. They're formal. There's lots of titles. Pastor, 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 pastor. I have two names. It's pastor, pastor. I don't have a first name or a last name anymore, right? It's just pastor, pastor. And you have to call them by pastor. It's an authoritative culture. Remember years ago, a man said, hey, Chris, I was a new pastor at the time. I said, that's Pastor Chris to you. It was my first year. Have mercy on me. Call me Chris. Please call me Chris. And if you want to train your children to have respect, I I totally get that. I'm all for that. High pressure environments, rules and lists, breeding ground for hypocrisy, expectation extremes, and gossip viruses that spread. Anybody twitching yet? I have 40 more. You'll be sure to be twitching by the time I'm done this list. I want to look at the text with you. There are three ways you can tell a real religious heart. Three ways. And before we get there, the coat has to go. And we are having a special party, and you're all invited to. It's called a retirement party. We're retiring the suits. You can join me. Number one. Write this down if you got the little insert that Don was talking about. Someone who has a real religious heart is someone who is open to the works of God. This is verse 1 and 2. Open to the works of God. I want to take you back to the text. We're going to work our way down through this, looking at a few words here and there. I want you to look at the first word, it's then. Do you see that? We'll stop there just for a moment because to be able to go forward with this, we have to go back. So go back to the verses previous to that, verse 34 down to verse 36, And when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around to all that region and brought to him all who were sick and implored him that they might not only touch the fringe of his garment, and as many as touched it were made well. So you got Jesus doing some amazing things. Jesus is doing two primary things. He's preaching and he's healing. He's preaching, teaching, and he's healing. And so his fame is starting to move out. It's starting to grow, and the Pharisees get word of that. And they're not too happy about all of that. I want you to know this, that religious people are always threatened by those who are spiritual. If you're going to have a problem with religious people, typically you're going to follow the ways of the Lord. And so when religious people get upset at you, uh, there's reasons for that. It's probably because you you want more of God. You want to be spirit-led. You want... And when you're living that kind of a life, the religious people are going to notice that and be threatened. This is what Jesus is struggling with here. He's facing the religious leaders. And it says the Pharisees and scribes in the text there, if you look at it, they came to Jesus. They didn't come to Jesus to support him in prayer. They weren't going to give him knuckles to say, hey, man, you're doing an awesome job. They're coming against Christ, and they're going to bring trouble. Religious people bring trouble. They bring drama. They bring division. They bring separation. Uh, they're, they're usually bickering. They're, they're usually upset about something. They don't have that peace of God. They don't have the joy of the Lord inside. There's something going on in there, and we'll find out some more of that as we move forward. So they came to Jesus, and they're coming from Jerusalem, it says. This is like the feds, the FBI and the CIA showing up at your door. Can you imagine that? These are the, the big guns are coming from Jerusalem, and they're coming to Jesus, and they're going to fire at Christ. Look at verse 2. Notice, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. Are you serious? Think about this. How many people were trained by your mom and dad to wash your hands before you ate or after you went to the bathroom? There should be like 100% participation on this. (laughs) Because we are all about hygiene at Harvest Reading. Come on, amen. That would be a, a good Amen. Not a bad amen. So here they are. They're they're upset at Jesus because his disciples are washing, not washing their hands, and, and I'm all for hygiene. I'm all for to to take care of them. But here's what's going on: the clean hands they thought meant a clean heart, and their ceremonies were becoming commandments. Really? They weren't one of God's commandments. They were their own traditions that they were making into commandments, and. All they could see was rituals and rules and regulations. And this is a religious heart. Religious people get upset when you break their rules. Why would a religious person get upset when you break their rules? Because they're a control freak. They got pride issues. They're not trusting the spirit of the Lord. They're trusting in themselves. This is a religious person. Now it says in the text there that they had traditions. There's nothing wrong with traditions, right? Anybody have traditions here? Name a tradition nice and loud. How about in the back? What tradition do you guys practice back there up in the nosebleed section, way in the back? What do you practice, Leisha? So you guys go out to dinner every Friday. That's a tradition. Does anybody else have one more? One more tradition that you do regularly. Just say it out nice and loud. Hard to hear in the back. Turkey for Thanksgiving. I have a tradition that I do. It started many years ago. And it's kind of creepy, it's kind of un- unique, and, and so every year, at the same time, at the same day, I will eat monkey brains. And I was thinking it would be really cool if we would make a tradition at Harvest Reading that every year, at the Vertical Cafe, we will have monkey brains, and you have to participate in this. Thumbs up if you're at fall for that or thumbs down if you're not, right? That's what's going on here. It's ridiculous. That would be foolishness. You'll notice it says that this tradition was of the elders. Look at it. It was of the elders. It wasn't of God. It's like a pastor putting rules and regulations together. That's like you come in next week and we have the harvest way and we hand out a copy to everyone. At Liberty, about 30 years ago, Liberty University, we had the Liberty Way. It was a little pamphlet that we had to live by. I can understand what they're trying to do. I I totally get it. I'm not recommending the harvest way. I'm not recommending traditions that we are erecting and that we're, we're building so that you keep those as if they're the commandments of God. It's a system that we see here. It's a system, not of the spirit, but of, of themselves. And these were the kind of people in the text not open to the work of God. Jesus is doing miracles and he's healing people and he's teaching with power, Lives are being changed and they don't see it or they don't even receive it. God, God help us. God have mercy on us that we don't see the work of God. That we can be so blind because of our religious heart. When God is moving in your midst, in your family, and you don't see it and you don't receive it, that's them here. It's all about this pride and control. It blinds us. Religious people aren't open to change because that means a loss of control. This is why churches with high controllers and legalistic cultures are typically out of touch with culture and current trends. And so when you walk into an environment like this, it's like you're walking back into 1950 or 60, and if they were fortunate, they got into the 80s or 90s. What's going on there? They, they're, they're not changing. They're, they they want to be in control, and, and this culture that has been developed is not open to progress and like Don was mentioning during his little devotional thought, it's like we need to be open to change And, and so these people here are not open to change and there are a lot of churches that aren't open to that. It's a pride that blinds us. The Spirit's work is to lead us to places of growth and that means giving up control. Religious people want rules and regulations. Their traditions become what they want to have in their life so that they feel safe. They can control them and the people that they lead. Now what does it mean to be open? Let me give you a definition of being open and that's allowing access. It means to move, to adjust. Uh, Another way of saying it, with no confining barriers. And so we we wanna be open, we want to allow access, we want to to keep moving and to adjust. You're hungry, right? You're hungry on a Sunday and you get in your car and you're thinking, Chick-fil-A man, Chick-fil-A. And then you're driving the Chick-fil-A and you pull into the parking lot and you're like, do you ever look like me? It's like, no, I forgot, you know. And then you lose your salvation, you have like swear words in your head and you're like, no, we actually forgive Chick-fil-A, right? I do, I forgive them because they have like outrageously stupendous waffle fries and so I totally wash that thing clean every time I pull into the, I do forget, I forget over and over again. I don't have access on Sunday to Chick-fil-A unless I want to break in, and that would be kind of out there. And so we don't have access to that. We're, we're, not, we're not able to move forward. We've got to wait till Monday to get some waffle fries. We can't adjust anything. That's it, it, the same thing with religious people. Religious people are closed up. They're not allowing access. They're guarding something that they think is sacred when it's not sacred. Have you known anybody like that? Have you known a church like that or a culture like that? When we bought a a church up in Connecticut, we planted the church. It started to grow. We got a building, and there was an organ. It was like the organ. Ooh, the organ. You know, and it's like, and people were asking me, what are we going to do with the organ? What are we going to do with the organ? And I said, we're going to chop that thing up and heat the church with it. That's what we're going to do with it. They're like, it's the organ. (laughs) It's just an organ. That's all it is. It's not sacred. I didn't actually do that. And so I wanted to be respectful. We put it online to see if anybody wanted to buy it. Nobody bought it. Then we chopped it up. Because we couldn't move it out of the balcony, so it had to be chopped up. But it's crazy how we think things are sacred, but they're really not. Listen, there, there can't be a barrier between what, you, what God wants to do in your life and where he's bringing you. And if you're not allowing access... You're not open to the work of God in your life, and you are a religious person. You're just religious. Are you open right now? Are you resistant to change? Are you stiff like the tin man? Are you holding on to what's comfortable and familiar? Has it become a tradition to you? People with a heart for God, they see God, and they're going, God, God, I love you all. God, I love you and I love what you're doing in my life, and it's fresh and it's new, and I sense your presence, and I want more, God. I want more of you. I want to move in ways that I've never moved before spiritually. I know that's happening to a lot of people at Harvest Reading, and it's thrilling. Number two, they're not only open to the works of God, but number two, they're obedient to the word of God. Verses three to six. They're obedient to the word of God. Jesus answers their question. (laughs) Look at verse 3. It it says he answered them. When I read this, now you have to understand when I'm alone with the Lord in my office and I'm studying the text, I try to put myself into the text. As I'm reading this, I'm thinking to myself, Jesus, you are way more spiritual than I am because I would not have reacted like that. I get fired up just even talking to you about this kind of thing. Can you imagine if the Pharisees and Sadducees came up to me? I would do that thing. I don't know if you remember this. I'm going to date myself. So I would take my two fingers, and they would get like into my personal space, and I'd look at their eyeballs, and I'd go, bam, right in their eyeballs, just like the three stooges. And then I'd go to each one, and I'd do the same thing and the same thing. I'd be so frustrated at, at the whole dynamic. Jesus just goes, he answered them. He's truthful and he's direct. He keeps his cool until now. I mean, he, will, he won't in chapter 23, and we're going to look at that briefly. He answers back with some, something worse than not washing their hands and, and breaking a tradition. They broke God's commandment. And religious people think they're being spiritual with their legalistic living, but really they're disobeying God. They think that they're spiritual, but they're not spiritual. They think that they're living by the word of God, but they're really not living by the word of God. They're living by these things that they've erected in their own mind because of their pride and their blindness and their control. They haven't been open to the works of God and now obedience to the word of God. You wonder? The tradition becomes greater of greater importance than what God has said. Traditions can replace truth. And the spirit of truth who wrote the scriptures gets offended or grieved. Look at verses 5 and 6. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father and mother. In other words, they're taking scripture, they're twisting it. They've added their tradition that they've added to the word of God is making the word of God void. This is called Corbin Law. Corbin Law is that when your parents get older, the money... That you have you take care of your parents as they get older and so what they were doing is they were taking the money right uh, that was supposed to be for for their parents as they got older and they took that money and they spent it on the temple and they were saying that that was that was truth that was that's like that's like you as you get older in your retirement suppose you're in your 80s 70s or 80s you're going through retirement you have a nice little nest egg and we at Harvest Reading are going to say, you know what, hey, that money needs to come towards Harvest Reading. That's our tradition. How many people would be open to that? (laughs) You'd be like, yeah, and when's the Kool-Aid coming and is it going to be grape or cherry, you know? You'd be thinking, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. This is ridiculous. This is absolutely crazy what's going on here. The Word of God, Jesus says, It's becoming void. It's it's not valid anymore. It's empty. You're making it ineffective because of your legalism. You're misleading the people of God. It's useless. The word of God becomes useless and ineffective. It means nothing. Jesus is getting fired up here. He's had enough with legalism. Because it's hurting people. And it's misleading, misrepresenting the word of God. They were adding to scripture, turning it and twisting it for their own perceived righteousness. And churches do this. They take the word of God and they refashion it and they refit it in ways that they think are spiritual, but it's just religious. This is what religious people do. They use scriptures out of context. Isn't it terrifying to think that we think that we could be living by the word of God, but we're living by the word of man? Does that scare anybody? It should cause caution here. We need the word of God, what God has said, not what man has said. God's word frees people. Man's word, replacing God's word, keeps people in bondage. R- religious people say that they believe and obey the word of God, but it's really, it's really what, what they're believing is something that they have erected in their own mind. How does this happen? How did they get to this place? Look at verse 7. Verse 7. What's the first two words? What's it say? You hypocrites. Okay, now he's going to get upset. You hypocrites. Hupokresis. That's the Greek word for it. You know what that word means? It means play acting or stage acting. That's what that means. So you're a play actor. Jesus is saying this to these legalists. You're a play actor. You're just nothing more than a stage actor. Suppose I went to Paul Jablisco, who's sitting back there in the second section there, and I said, You bully. Do you think I can beat, you know, Apollo Creed? Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, yo, yo, sweetie cheeks, come on now. Yo, Adrian. You know, and I started talking like that, and I left the auditorium, and we're meeting in the lobby, and I'm still talking like that. And then you met me at home, and I'm like, yo, welcome to my home, you know? Who am I sounding like? It's, it's Yeah, I'm Stallone. And if I did that like all the time, everybody, ready? Do this. <laughs> That's like a little awkward, right? Awkward. I'm play acting. I'm a hypocrite. I'm trying to be somebody that I'm not. That's the Greek word there. And Jesus says about these people, they're hypocrites. Can I take you to Matthew 23? Now, if you weren't twitching over that list earlier, you're going to be seeing some twitching going on here. Matthew 23, Jesus talks to the Pharisees. He talks to his own first, and then he transitions. I'm going to fly through some of this, so take your eyes to the text. Verse 1, that Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do, for they preach, but they do not practice. What is that? That's hypocrisy. They tie up heavy burdens. You know, heavy burdens have been put on some of you in this church from past cultures and environments. And that truly, truly breaks my heart. More than that, it breaks God's heart. They were tying heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they laid them on the people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their own finger. Verse 5, they do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. This is what they were wearing and some of the Old Testament scriptures they put on their forehead. They'd stick them right on their forehead and on their arms so that, look at me. I must be spiritual. I must be religious. Look at my robe, how these things are. And they made them longer and longer so that people would notice them. They loved the place of honor and feasts and best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. That's like me, you've got to call me pastor. Do you see what I'm talking about, about some of these titles and things? We've got to be careful. And they call no. it says, don't call any man your father. I'm in verse 9. For you have one father who is in heaven, neither be called instructors. For you have one instructor, the Christ. And the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Now he transitions in verse 13. Now he's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the hypocrites now. And I'm telling you, this is Jesus coming unglued. But woe, and there's seven of them. them. But woe, you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, For you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte, and when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much the child of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing, but if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing, but if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath you blind men. Do you hear preaching like this today? For which is greater, the gift of, or the altar that makes the gift sacred? And so whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. And he keeps going down. Verse 25, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence, you blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and the plate. See, listen, this kind of preaching has been preached, and it's been preached at some of you, and, and they're coming down on you with this legalistic spirit of control. And you're coming under that like you're, you're being condemned. Listen, you're not the legalist. Jesus isn't doing this to the woman who comes to him and she's she's broken inside and she's weeping and she falls at his feet. The Pharisees picked up rocks, right? And the scribes and the religious people wanted to stone her. A lot of us, were like that. You're in these churches and these environments and and you feel like these stones are going to come at you and you're under condemnation. Who's Jesus mad at? He's mad at the leaders. He's mad at the legalists. He's mad at the super controllers, the prideful leaders that are hurting people. That's who he's mad at. He wasn't mad at you when you carried all of that that false guilt and all that shame. You shouldn't have been carrying that. That was laid on top of you. It was a heavy burden that a legalistic person put on you. And God is freeing you from that, amen? He is freeing you from that. And some of you maybe need to get a little more free today from that. Religious people push their obedience as law, and not out of law, out of love toward God or people. Let me look at number three with you, and finally, a real religious heart is oriented to the worship of God. So you're open to the works of God, you're obedient to the word of God, and then you're oriented to the worship of God. Verses seven down to verse nine. Jesus quotes Isaiah 29:13. "These religious people would have known this text. These are scholars. These are men that knew the Old Testament, and they knew it well. And so when Jesus quotes Isaiah 29, 13, he's connecting. He's putting them in the context of that verse. It's like, this is massive. This is, this is like Mike Tyson, if you remember him. Mike Tyson had one of the strongest punches of any human being. Imagine taking a right hook from Mike Tyson right on the end of your jaw. You'd be seeing stars. In fact, you'd be seeing the whole Milky Way. This is what Jesus does. He takes it and he goes, "Bam!" As he gives Isaiah twenty-nine, thirteen, and they're like, "What?" I mean, it, just, it just makes them matter and matter, and, and the people are wanting to kill Jesus. You'll notice in the text that we read that they're just wanting to give lip service. They just want to give lip service. Isn't that what it says back in the text, 15, what, verse 8? These people honor me with their lips, right? I thought about doing something. This could become a tradition, and I'm only kidding with this, right? But I thought about those wax lips. Do you remember those wax lips? Now, this, is gonna, this could, could get interesting because we got some to hand out to people because if you're just giving lip service to God, then you have to wear the lips for like a week, so some would come into church and they'd have these big lips on their face, your wax lips. Can we do that? Would that be okay to do? Wow, poor guy over there, he's just giving lip service. Look at her. Oh, she must have been just giving lip service too much. What does lip service mean? It means to adhere to or pay allegiance to something in word, but not back it up with your actions. They say this, but they do that. In other words, they were all talk and no what? No action. They sound spiritual. They say things like amen and praise the Lord and hedge of protection. Honestly, when I hear somebody pray hedge of protection, you know what I think of? I think of hedges that need to be clipped. I'm totally serious. I'm not kidding you. But they say these things, hedge of protection, they say traveling mercies. God grant traveling mercies. These are some of the lingo that that we use. Washed by the blood. Am I missing any? There must be about a thousand other of those kinds of things that we do. Jesus says that their heart was far from me. Heart, meaning affections, longing for, uh, seeking after, devoted to. It's a heart. I would love to say here, if you want a heart for God here, here's your heart. Can somebody take care of that, please? What time is it? Are we running out of time? That's a little distracting, isn't it? I think we need to pay a little bit less per month for this place. Let me tell you a quick story. Try to focus in if you can. Hopefully a movie won't start behind me. That'll be really interesting. So I'm at a graduation the other night. And it's What do I do? This has never happened to me in all the years of ministry. What do I do, Don? (laughs) So I'm at this graduation, and uh, just a great, great group of people. And Ashley Brown was one that was graduating, and she did an awesome job. So proud of her uh, graduating. But I'm in this Christian graduation, right? And I'm in the back. And just really trying to focus on the speakers that they had. And, and they had some songs that we did together, congregational songs. And there were three girls that were sitting in front of me and my wife. And um, didn't, didn't care at all what was being said, fidgeting. They were talking the whole time, not singing the songs. And every second and a half, they were doing something with their hair. I me mean, just just kind of fixing it all the time. Now, it's a little hard to concentrate because they're sitting right in front of us, but we're looking at this, and it's just like, God, where are they spiritually? Where are they? Is their heart close to you, or is their heart far from you? Ultimately, we don't judge that, but I was just thinking about these young people. Jesus says that their heart was far from me. Listen, you can be in a church service, but not close to God. You can read a Bible verse, but not be close to God. You can sing a song but still be far from God. You could be teaching a kid's class, be involved in some form of ministry, go to a Christian camp, a vacation Bible school, and still be far from God. We can do religious things and still be far from God. Would you agree with that? When were you far from someone? Listen, if you distance yourself from someone geographically, it's gonna be harder to keep in touch. Communication starts to diminish. It's just harder as you get further apart to, to maintain that communication and that closeness. I know in high school, we didn't, I didn't keep in touch with most of my high school uh, friends, and even in college, I still haven't kept in, in touch. Why, because you need to be near somebody to, to really maintain that kind of a relationship. It's the same thing with Jesus. And he's saying that there are people that have drifted and you're not communicating with me enough. And James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's more about devotion than duty. It's more about relationship than rules. It's more more about love than laws. Jesus says that their worship was in vain. It was pointless. It was empty. It was useless. All the girls in front of me, raised in a Christian home. Were they, was it vain? Were they giving things to God that were empty? Do they not see that Jesus Christ is real? And wants a relationship with them? I don't judge them. Our heart was like, wow, God, do something in those three young people's lives. Was it pointless? It's all about ritual and rote for many they go into church and they leave and there's no moving of the heart. There's no change. They're drying up. They're complacent. They're lifeless. They're habitually comfortable and their growth is stunted. I have a friend of mine here in the Reading area. He doesn't go to this church. He goes to another church. And when I have conversation with him, he's just dropping F-bombs. and been a Christian for 30 years. And he's, Oh, I'm sorry. you know, He says, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. I I love this man. I do love this man. And every time I talk to him, I pray with him, and we have tears together. He goes into church every single week, and he leaves the church. There's a song. There's a message. He gives a tithe. Is his heart close to God, or is it far from God? We orientate. we, We get oriented toward God. Let me give you a definition. That means to position yourself toward a particular object. And so this is what we're doing. We're orienting ourselves towards the worship of God. Religious services are dead. I've been in religious services. Listen, we do not want death here. No death. That means when we come to church, we're giving everything, like Scott said. You know, and if we can go, yes, for that kid that hit the home run, the two home runs, or whoever, then we can go, yes, God, and mean it with our whole heart and meet it with our affections and with our emotions And we have to get behind academia. Listen, Christians don't need more Bible knowledge. They have enough. They just need to apply the knowledge that they have. The lost community needs Bible knowledge because they don't have a clue about a lot of Bible knowledge. They don't. But Christians don't. I need another Bible study. No, you just need to live what you know with affection, with a heart, and with tears that come out of your eyes occasionally. And with expression before God, not to be noticed, but to love him with every part of who you are. We can go in and out of church. We can shake a few hands, crack a few smiles, maybe even give a tithe. But your Christian life is nothing nothing more than a zombie. It's not going anywhere. Take a look at this picture. Can we show that? These are some of the folks leaving a church in the area. There we go. Now, what I want you to think about here is that the way they look on the outside is the way that many, many people look on the inside of their life spiritually. They're dying. There's decay. There's nothing about, there's not, it's not living inside of them. And so they come out of churches. They haven't oriented themselves towards worshiping Jesus and living a vertical life, not a horizontal life, but a vertical one. Look at, Matthew 23, again, it's gonna be on the screen, 27 and 28. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus said something very similar to that picture about the religious leaders of the day. They're like walking dead, right? And they're in a church building, but they're walking dead. There's no life there. Their heart isn't for God. They're stuck in this religious routine. Some of you were the walking dead. But now you're sensing God doing something great. Something fresh, something new. I'm going to close with Psalm chapter 10, verse 17 and 18. You'll see it on the screen. Listen to what the psalmist said here. Oh, Lord, you hear the desire of the f- afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. Can I take you back to that verse 17? Oh, Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. In a religious culture, you are afflicted. You've been afflicted. But here's how you come out of that, right? What's it say? Oh, Lord, you hear the desire and you will strengthen my heart. You will, he's doing that, isn't he? Right, He's doing that in many, many lives. When Lisa and I were discerning where to go, we thought we were going to Bradenton, Florida, not to plant a church, but God redirected our lives to Reading and to the, these counties, Lancaster County and Berks. I did not know at the time that we would get to know and love and serve with so many people that have been influenced by legalism. I didn't see that one coming. And I want you to be patient with me because it just really, really bothers me what legalism does to people. And it's not like I'm mad at you, so if I get fired up, it's not like I'm upset at you. I just, I just need to get that out, right? Because I want freedom for the people of God. And God is bringing people to new growth and freedom and joy and the shame that you were carrying, that you shouldn't have been carrying because other people put that on you, and maybe you allowed it, I don't know. But you're getting some freedom. And he sees the desire, and he wants to strengthen your heart today. Let's pray together. God, we pray that you would help us. We have just one more song to sing to your praise and to your glory, and we pray for Scott as he leads that. We pray, God, that you would help us to have a heart for you, a heart that's not religious but spiritual, and so, God, we pray that you would continue to do amazing things in all of our lives. God, uh, the words of Jesus were strong here. The passion coming out of him towards the legalistic leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes, was strong. And I know, Lord, that there have been many who have been in cultures like this, and now they're finding freedom, they're finding new growth. The oil of the Spirit of God is doing some cool things in their life, and so we're asking for more of that, Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, can I just ask you, just raise your hand if you need some prayer because you have, you know that you have felt um, kind of in bondage, trying to find freedom and trying to get to new places in your life. And you know that you need some prayer. Would you lift up your hand? I just want to pray for specifically. Yes, 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 yes. God, for all those hands that just went up, oh Lord, uh, you're the peace that passes understanding. You're the joy unspeakable and full of glory. And the gospel, Lord, is the gospel of perfect love, and it's a gospel of healing. And so, Lord, uh, keep, keep doing some great, great things in so many people's lives in Berks County and, and Lancaster County and people that are, are coming to Harvest Reading. And, and so, Lord, we don't, we don't want to have a religious heart. We want a spiritual heart. We don't want to just honor you with our lips, but our heart is far from us. And so, Lord, as corny as that illustration was about the lips, the wax lips, Lord, and maybe if that would help us not to just give lip surface, help us to have that image in our mind, whatever it takes, Lord, to keep us from just saying things with our mouth but our actions are, are otherwise. And so, Lord, help us to keep open to the works of God. Holy Spirit, you're working even now, and you're going to work through this song and as we interact afterwards in fellowship. And so, Lord, help us to obey, not because it's law, not because it's, it's a legal thing, but it's a love thing. It's a love thing towards you. We love you, and we want to follow what your word says. And so often I, I trip and fall, and others here just, we trip and fall, and we're like, doggone it, I didn't obey like I should have. But, Lord, you still forgive, and you still restore, and you still get us back up on our feet again. And then, Lord, help us to orient, it, orient ourselves to the worship of God. Help us to position ourselves before you as the ultimate. Help us to do that right now as we sing this song. In Jesus' mighty name, let's all stand and worship.